This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Does someone's guilt or innocence in a court of law depend upon the condition of their brain? Some attorneys say brain health is a valid defense. It created a really interesting legal battle and raises the issue. Can and should that be used in a criminal court to decide whether a person's really responsible or not? Is the science valid? Then, chronic illnesses such as Lyme disease have impacted millions of Americans, but a misdiagnosis can easily happen, leaving patients at risk of disability or even death. A lot of people are getting sick from this disease, but the problem is the blood test are not very reliable, so unfortunately people usually go from doctor to doctor, so people really need to pay attention. Those two stories and more are coming your way on this week's show. InfoTrack gets underway right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. Criminal attorneys are now using the so-called brain defense, arguing that the poor condition of their client's brain should reduce or eliminate their sentence. InfoTrack's Roy Mackey talks to an expert to learn more. Roy? Thanks, Chris. We're joined by Kevin Davis. He's a Chicago-based journalist and the author of The Brain Defense, Murder in Manhattan, and the Dawn of Neuroscience in America's Courtrooms. I think many people aren't necessarily aware of that term, brain defense. Can you explain just what that means and how that differs from a basic insanity defense? Sure. The brain defense is sort of a term that I came up with to explain this growing phenomenon in which lawyers are arguing that their clients' brains are broken or that they're damaged in in some way in in an attempt to absolve them or reduce their criminal responsibility. It's grown over the past several decades, and more lawyers are using neuroscience and brain scans to support these arguments that their clients' brains are broken in some way. Now, it differs from the insanity defense in a very significant way. The insanity defense is generally reserved for people who have severe psychiatric and mental health problems, people who are delusional, they can't tell the difference between right and wrong, and that is a rarely invoked defense because it rarely works. The brain defense makes more distinctions, and that's why it's so contentious. A brain defense is that a criminal defendant is damaged in such a way that their judgment may have been impaired. They may have had impulse control issues, little things. And it's not always necessarily used to get a not guilty verdict, but maybe to diminish the level of somebody's responsibility for committing a crime because we can show that they've been damaged in some way. Your book begins this examination of neuroscience's role in the courtroom by looking at a murder case in Manhattan in 1991. Can you just tell us quickly about that case? Sure. So the case involves a man named Herbert Weinstein. He's an ad exec, lived on the Upper East Side, a man who lived an exemplary life, never did a violent thing ever, married for the second time. His first wife had died of cancer. Anyway, he gets in an argument with his wife, Barbara, and she scratches him in the face during the argument. And Weinstein had been calm up until that moment, and he went for her throat, and he strangled her. She fell to the ground, and he dragged her over to the window of their bedroom and opened it and threw her out the window, and she fell 12 stories down onto 72nd Street in New York. This was highly unusual. I mean, Weinstein had, again, never done a violent thing ever. So the police came, and he quickly confessed under pressure and hired a really good lawyer. 
and his lawyer sent Weinstein for some psych tests and an MRI. And this MRI revealed that Weinstein had a cyst the size of an orange growing over his left frontal lobe. And his lawyer said, this is going to be my defense. I'm going to argue that Weinstein's cyst caused enough brain damage that he lost his judgment and his impulse control at that moment. And we'll see if we can diminish his responsibility by using that as our criminal defense. It created a really interesting legal battle and raises the issues. Can a brain scan, he later got a PET scan which shows brain activity and brain function. Can and should that be used in a criminal court to decide whether a person's really responsible or not? Is the science valid? Can we make the leap from saying, because a person has this brain damage or this tumor, can we make the leap that this caused him to kill his wife? That case was in the early 1990s. It was controversial at that time. So has medical research made this issue any clearer or less controversial since then? No, I don't think it's made it less controversial. Certainly the science has gotten better. Brain scanning techniques are better than they've ever been before. There's something called fMRI, which shows brain activity in real time. You can actually take images as a person is reacting to things and see how what parts of their brain are consuming oxygen and blood. So you can really know a lot more. But it's still contentious. It's still difficult to translate what we see in a brain image to actual human behavior at a particular moment. We can show that people have damage, we can show people may have dysfunction, but making that leap to whether somebody's guilty or not guilty, or responsible or not, is still not there. However, let me also say that brain scans are routinely used in death penalty cases. They're used not so much to determine whether someone's responsible or guilty, but more about whether this person should be sentenced to life or death. The lawyers are showing juries and judges scans that show their clients have damage from drug or alcohol abuse, or it could be concussions or tumors. Just the idea that this person has suffered throughout their life or they've had damage to maybe sort of elicit a little bit of mercy from a jury in deciding whether they're going to send that person to death or not. Our guest on InfoTrack is Kevin Davis. He's a journalist based in Chicago and the author of a book called The Brain Defense, Murder in Manhattan and the Dawn of Neuroscience in America's Courtrooms. So how are juries reacting to this defense? It sounds like since defense attorneys are using it, it must work pretty well. You know, I would say it's fairly successful in getting people life sentences as opposed to death because a jury can feel more comfortable. It's not like they're letting a person free. So I think they're more comfortable accepting the science and accepting this idea when they know that the person's never going to get out and never hurt anybody again, but they're going to give them life. So I think it's working in that regard. In terms of determining whether a person is guilty or not guilty, not quite there yet. That's a very difficult argument to make successfully. But we are seeing lawyers latching onto this idea that understanding our brains and analyzing how our brains work does have a place in court in terms of determining maybe the levels of culpability and responsibility. I understand there are a few university programs sprouting up around the country focusing on what is called neuro law. Where is all this headed in the future? By that very thing, I think we see a huge future in this because there are about 20 law schools now that have programs. There's a program at Vanderbilt University that has a joint degree, law and neuroscience. Fordham University in New York just created a program. 
so there's a growing level of interest in this. And, you know, the MacArthur Foundation has funded tens of millions of dollars to investigate this very thing about this intersection of law and neuroscience. And there are dozens of papers being published on this every year. So I think this is the future. And as I say in the subtitle of the book, it is the dawn of neuroscience in America's courtrooms. And I think we're only going to see more of it. Kevin Davis, a Chicago-based journalist and the author of The Brain Defense, Murder in Manhattan, and The Dawn of Neuroscience in America's Courtrooms. Kevin, do you have a website where people can learn more? Yes, KevinADavis.com. There is a Brain Defense Facebook page as well, and I'm also on Twitter. Well, thank you again for joining us on InfoTrack. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. Next, it's been called an emerging pandemic. Could you contract this chronic disease? The eye-opening facts, coming up. Don't go away. InfoTrack will be back right after this.